the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks Best Bets Podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from the Action Network. He is Ben Everell from the PGA Tour, and we are going to play 18 holes, making 18 bets for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. Can't wait for the fourth designated event on the PGA Tour schedule. We'll get to it in just a second, but first, as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 for free. Benny, cannot wait for this one to kick off. I love what we saw last week at the Honda Classic. Two great storylines coming down the stretch. Chris Kirk outlasting Eric Cole in a playoff. But now we move on to... Another one with the big boys and another one where, let's just put it this way, Bay Hill, about 10 minutes from my house here in Orlando, it ain't going to be easy this week either. Oh, mate, I'm excited. As you said, look, I think we saw exactly what we need to see uh, designated v non-designated. I mean, I thought it was awesome to see those sort of core golf storylines, if you will, come to the fore at Honda. You had a guy trying to resurrect his career, having a chance in Chris Kirk getting it done. And then we had a, what was he, 34-year-old rookie um, coming from now, a mini-tour legend, literally lip out from, you know, continuing his chance to get a massive win. And uh, I tweeted this yesterday, like, he won 900 and something thousand. Previously in his whole career, he'd run 300,000. So, like, that's what these non-designated weeks can bring, you know. They can bring the new wave, the new guys, these storylines. And now I'm excited to get the big boys back. And we're going to go two weeks in a row. And in your backyard first, um, you know, last year was really tough. Are we going to get that tough again, mate, or just almost that tough? So reading the forecast that we're seeing so far, I mean, I, I stuck my head out the window. That didn't give me too much of an idea <laughs> because we're still a few days away. We're taping on here on Monday evening. But it looks like at least double-digit wind speeds for uh, most of the four tournament rounds. And especially Friday, it looks like early to mid-Friday afternoon wind speeds of – gusting to close to 40 miles an hour, which is, I mean, that's like Crazy. almost you can't leave balls on the green. I, I may go out and play 10 minutes down the road at the walk on Friday afternoon, the usual men's game, just to see how it stands up to uh, Bay Hill on a, a windy, windy Friday afternoon. That's going to be fun. I'd like to play in it, I think, more than I'd like to watch golf in that. I don't know <laughs> that you guys uh, who are trying to play for money and play for their careers are going to enjoy playing in it, but it, yeah, it's going to get very tough. I think that right now and tea times are not out, although you usually, usually have a, uh, a little idea of some of them when we speak on Monday evening, but tea time's not out as of yet. I would say maybe late Thursday, early Friday, that draw could have a little bit of an advantage. And then it looks like it dies down a little bit on Sunday. So uh, if you're looking to make some, some live bets, maybe wait until after the third round and try to attack somebody who can make a lot of birdies and come from behind. Yeah, I think it's it's um, definitely a wait and see on the, on the forecast, isn't it? To sort of see exactly where that wind or who that might smash. And I think that, 
you know, you, there could be something in afternoon wins every day, right? And if the first day they might not be as strong as Friday, but if you're going out there on Thursday and the guy in the afternoon is a few back, but he's going to get to come out early Friday, you might want to get on the guy that's four back after the first round, knowing he's going out in the morning before the 20 mile an hour wins hit, right? So you've got to start to think smart. Um, you don't have to do all of your picks right here in the beginning. Um, I think it's definitely a week to to sort of see what it is. And, and as always, like, like reset on that Saturday night. Have a look. You might not get your, you know, your 50 to one shot that you're going to grab, but you might get some pretty good um, value on a, you know, seven, eight, nine to one guy that can make a run. So always worth coming in and having a bit of a look and not just setting and forgetting, as I say. Yep. But here on the pod, we cannot wait. We have to make 18 bets. We're going to play 18 holes as we do every week. Right by that great statue they've got of Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill is the first tee. Benny, you are up on the first tee. Swing <laughs> away with your first play. I'm going to switch it up. Usually I go with a outright pick to start, but I want to get into the big names early, and I don't necessarily want to grab them for the outright play at their short odds. So of our big three, we've got Rory, we've got Scheffler, the defending champion, and we've got Ram. I'm going to start with the matchup play, thinking that Scheffler, as the outsider, can beat the other two. Uh, I see plus 275 in a five ball that also includes um, Homer and Xander. Uh, I've seen other options. I'm looking to, at Scheffler as the matchup against the other two big names. I think that they'll all play pretty well, but I, I, I just want the value. He's the defending champion. He just won it waste. I know he didn't back it up at, at, at Genesis as good as he would have liked, but look, it's hard to do week after week after week. He's had a little rest. He knows what to expect there. Uh, I think you'll get value in Scheffler head-to-head uh, against Rory McIlroy and the like. Yeah, I uh, I certainly think there's value on Scheffler there. I think that if there's a kryptonite for John Rahm, perhaps Bermuda Greens could be that kryptonite. So we'll find mm-hmm. out a little bit more on that over the next couple of weeks because nothing else has been able to slow down John Rahm so far this season. Rory McIlroy has a great record at Bay yeah. Hill, though. That that scares me. I, I can see Scotty Scheffler over John Rahm, McIlroy over Rahm. That's fine. Scheffler over Rory. He's got to beat both of those boys. That's tough, Benny. Hole three, we'll get to McIlroy. There you go. Okay. All right. Hole three. Okay. I, I unlike you, I'm going to start with a, a long shot outright play, and uh-huh. I get it. Look. These designated events have been, and I think will continue to be, the domain of the big boys. We've had three of them so far. The winners have been Rom, Scheffler, Rom. Not a whole lot of <laughs> leeway there for guys who aren't necessarily one of the top three players in the world. That said, if you're going to go with an outright, I want somebody who's got everything on their side. I want a guy who's in form. I want a guy who has played pretty well here in the past. I want a guy who's not going to be deterred by windy conditions. And I want a guy who's won against big fields in the past. I don't want a guy who's going to go, oh my goodness, I'm I'm on the Sunday leaderboard and I'm going against Rom and Rory and Scheffler. Like I want a guy who goes, eh, you know what? Been there, done that. I can handle it. I'm going with a past Masters champion at 250 to one, Danny Willett, who's starting to play Woo! some really good golf. We've yeah. seen a correlation between... Some of these English players over the years, uh, I'm going to get into Fitzpatrick. I'm going to get into Fleetwood very, very soon. Danny Willett sort of fits that bill. He 
wasn't playing great towards the end of last year, beginning of this year. looks like he's gotten it back a little bit, 18th and 29th in his last two starts. Look, am I picking him to win the golf tournament? No. Am I saying, you know, is there a very small chance that at 250 to one, we can throw a little nibble on him and see if, you know, he takes the bait at some point this weekend. Let's try it. Yeah, I don't mind that. It's been the domain of sort of non-American players until last year as well for a little while, hasn't it? Since since Tiger, and I know Scheffler won last year and Tiger won a million times, but, you know, we've had some non-American winners in recent times and the English have done reasonably well. The European boys have done reasonably well of late. I'm thinking, you know, Hatton, Molinari, Jason Day, etc. cetera. Um, so nothing to suggest that those boys can't again be part of the mix. Uh, but all right, as I as I teased, I'll get to Rory McIlroy now. Look, can he win this? Absolutely, he's done it before. Uh, but I am going to go my tried and tested route with these favourites. I'm going to look at Rory McIlroy, first round leader. Last three times at this event, he's opened 66, 66, 65, before trailing away and not getting the job done. So I'm going to, instead of taking the short odds, I'm going to recommend you take slightly better odds for first round leader. See Rory in his, in his, all his great glory, getting away to a fast start. Hopefully he starts in the morning. Let's talk about this as well. If he ends up late early, can still get it done late on the first day if the wind is not too high. But obviously there's an advantage to starting early and not being in those winds for that first round leader position. But I'm thinking again, like I've mentioned many times, if he starts great, you might cash in on the better odds than you get for the whole tournament. If he doesn't, uh, well, then you you might have better odds for the comeback than you than you have at the beginning. Uh, let me put it this way. The last three times he's played, as I said, his scoring average for the first round is 65.67 in the last three, time, in the last three years. However, his final round scoring average, 76. 76 is his final round scoring average the last three times mm. uh, he's played in the event. So, again, this is why I'm saying let's get on him early. Let's see if we can't jag that, you know, 20 to 1 or whatever it is. He's at FRL when the thing starts, depending on where he gets. And this will, again, that might adjust once the tee times come out tomorrow. Uh, and then maybe get the play, and then we'll see what happens from that point on. You know, maybe, as I said, he gets the poor draw and he has to hang in there the first two rounds, and you'll get him at value for the overall on a comeback on the weekend. But he's proven that he hasn't played the weekend well in the last three years. I mean, let me show you. 73, 76, 72, 76, 76, 76 last year in tough conditions. Uh, so I'm going to get on Rory early rather than later. Okay. I, I like that. And everything there makes sense. I would like to, before I get to my play for the fourth hole, mention once again that I, I think that late Thursday, early Friday is going to be the better draw. But if you're looking for a first round leader play, you got to yes. go early Thursday. I, look, I, I play around here in uh, the Orlando area very, very frequently. Uh, for me personally, I'd rather go out in the afternoon. I like to, you know, have a nice uh, late breakfast and relax a little bit at a couple of putts for these guys. That's, that's not really their MO. Uh, they are just fine playing in the morning when there's less of a breeze, when the Bermuda greens aren't getting uh, as sticky and sticking up as, as much as they can. So uh, again, we're, we're recording before the tea times have been released. So I reserve the right to uh, change my pick here, but for my first round leader bet, I'm going with a guy who's broken 70 in seven of 12 opening rounds so far this season. And that is Tom Hoagie. I'm looking for ball strikers mm -hmm. this week. I'm looking for guys 
who can get hot. He tends to get hot on Thursday mornings. Hoagie is the play here. I'm also looking for a complete reversal of what happened last year, which is an opening round 78 here at Bay Hill. But he has posted some good scores here in the past. So it, I, I look at that as more of an outlier than anything else. Okay, so I'm just switching up what I have here. I usually wait till later, but I'm going to throw the fifth. I'm going to throw you my long shot plays, one of which is Tom Hoagie, 110-ish to one. Uh, I think that there is some potential value on him being able to sneak around this top um, 10, top 15, and, and, you know, with a bit of luck, potentially contend. Um, He's got the game, especially the... Now, I've got to bring it up here, mate, but I've noticed that this week we have an overabundance on, in, in historically speaking, of shots from 200 to 225 yards on approach, like double the tour average in this tournament yeah. over the last X amount of years. Uh, in that scenario, Tom Hoagie actually does pretty well this season. He's sixth in terms of uh, proximity from that from that distance on tour and actually is one of the better players in relation to par as well. He's also getting the ball in the hole from that close proximity Seven under, I think, in his in his uh, from when he's had the approach from that distance from the fairway. So he is one of the three that I've got here as long shot options. The other one at way above, um, way out of the the box is a former champion. I mentioned him briefly before, Francesco Molinari, two hundred fifty to one. If he is going to catch lightning in a bottle somewhere, if he's going to bring back his old um, tee to green game, it could be here. Um, so just sort of like that as a small something to look at if you're looking for a lottery play amongst these big, big, big names. And then a little Aussie, 100 to 1. Uh, Adam Scott should have won this event three times, hasn't won it. Uh, you know, I think it was the third time or second time. It was second time that every won it. Adam Scott was carving up and was absolutely killing them before imploding on the weekend. Uh, trepidation here, as we said, I got on him for Genesis. Uh, and then as the weekend went on, he was starting to tinker with a bit of uh, equipment, et cetera, et cetera. So the only play here is small at long odds because I'm not exactly sure until I talk to him or see him again how set he is as he gears right. up for the players in Augusta. All right. So before we move on, I want to ask you about another Australian player. And you can tell me if you're going to mention Jason Day at some point later in the pod, we won't get into him. Okay. All right. I am we'll get into Jason Day later. later on. Okay, we'll get into Jason Day later because I've got questions and I'm hoping that okay. you have answers because I, right. I like everything about Jason except for that number next to his name this week, which I think is oh. egregiously short. So we'll get yes. into that in a little bit. Sixth all, I'm going to give you my top five play here. This guy who's finished in the top 10 each of the last four years. Matt Fitzpatrick loves this golf course. He loves this type of golf, which is not just, hey, smash it down the fairway and hit it close and make a putt and shoot 28 under for the week, and go get your trophy. That's not Matt Fitzpatrick's type of golf, and that's not what we'll see here. Matt Fitzpatrick loves just sort of the strategic grind, the plotting of trying to work your way around a golf course that is not yielding very many birdies. He has shown it in the last four years. I remember watching him here right after he turned professional. He got an exemption into this event. We're talking probably 2016 and watching him play and practice around this golf course, thinking this guy's going to win this golf tournament someday. And so I'm looking at players who have played very well in U.S. Opens in recent years, guys who know how to play well when scoring Mm -hmm. is lower in relation to par, and Fitzpatrick is right near the top of that list, plus 650 for a top five this week. Mate, I love that play. Um, 
I really do. I haven't got him as my top five, but I've got a guy that fits a similar mould at the exact same price, plus 650 top five. So I'll throw that out now for the seventh hole. Uh, he wasn't as good as he would have hoped last week, but I also think he took the foot off the gas, like we mentioned might happen uh, with the bigger names at last week's Honda Classic, and that is Sungjae Im. Sungjae mm. has had two third places before at um, Bay Hill and nothing worse than 21st in four starts. Uh, at the event last year, he got tripped up by two um, tough rounds, 77-76, but he wasn't alone in that regard. Many guys struggled on the tougher days. Uh, and look, I know this is an inside golf or inside baseball, whatever you guys call it, thing, but I'm going to go back to that 200 to 225 yard approach shot stat I've mentioned. I'm going to go there a few times in this pod. But no one is more under par from that distance than Sanjay in this season. Right, mm. So he's not the closest, he's not hitting at the closest, but he is making the most of the shots he does hit from that distance. So he is leading the tour from 200 to 225 out from the fairway, which he's almost always in, uh, 10 under, I think, on his uh, approach shots from that distance. So I think that given that I said there's double the amount, like it'll be like 20, 25% of their approach shots could come from that distance Um on the you know depending on obviously that wind and what what happens on Friday, but for the most part, that's been the trend for the last six, seven, eight years. So um, I think that that's going to work into his favour, and he'll gain a few shots on the field right there. So top five Sunday in plus six fifty. Now you've got me looking up that stat, Benny. Two hundred to two twenty five yards, number one on the PGA Tour this season, mm-hmm. as far as I'm seeing, Sean O'Hare. I somehow called up the yes. Spanish page for PGAtour.com, but then, <laughs> then the names are still the same. Sean O'Hare, Keita Nakajima, uh, Gary Woodland, who I actually wrote up in my preview but, and I do like. Uh, but other, let me tell you, no, right? Other notables right up there. Colin Morikawa, Tom Hoagie, Will Zalatoris. Uh, but let yeah, me tell you, so what, what you guys. may not know, that's that's on the average proximity, right? So let's look at Sean O'Hare. Closest he hits at 27 feet on average this year from 200 to 225, but he's only two under par on his eight attempts, right? So he hasn't necessarily capitalized on that. Whereas you look at someone like, as I said, uh, Sungjae, who let me just reallocate this so I can give you that. Sungjae is actually 11 under par. I said 10, he's 11 under par from 41 attempts, um, but he hits it at 38. Average. He he's putting himself in that mix. He's putting himself at that at that distance more often, and he's still ranked high enough to take advantage of it. So that's why I think that with the reps that he's got, as opposed to others, and what he can do, and his relative to past scenario, I think it could go into his wheelhouse. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, all right. My turn. Eighth hole. Uh, I'm going to a name mm-hmm. that I I mentioned earlier. He's got three top tens and six career starts at Bay Hill. I think he's just about to heat up because it's just been a weird sort of start to the year. He's played a couple of times in the Middle East where he just kind of had these middling type finishes, made the cut, didn't do anything special. Uh, went to Phoenix. Phoenix is not his bag. Didn't play well, missed the cut. Then went to Riviera a couple of weeks ago and finished in 20th place. I think things are ramping up nicely for a really good two-week stretch here for Tommy Fleetwood, who's a guy that mm-hmm. I would not be surprised claims a first PGA Tour win finally on U.S. soil at some point this year. We, we've seen him around the world uh, win golf tournaments. We've seen him contend for major championships and other big events. Something good is coming for Tommy Fleetwood at some point. Top 10, 
plus 550, I think is a really nice number for him there. And in fact, there's a few guys at that number, um, right around 70 to 1, 75 to 1 outright, that I don't mind a lot of little outright sprinkle on. Uh, Keegan Bradley among them. I'll mention him uh, later as well. But uh, some guys that are just pure ball strikers. That's what I'm looking for this week. Tommy Fleetwood certainly fits that mold. Yeah, Fleetwood, I think three top tens at API, 20th last yeah. year um, in the tough conditions. Again, and I, I like the English lean. And, mate, I'm going to get in ahead of you because you just mentioned a guy you're going to talk about, but I'm going to give you my top 20 player, and that is Keegan Bradley that you just mm-hmm. threw up there. I think two plus 250 or around about that. Uh, I, I believe he's had, what, the last two years he was 10th and 11th. He's had a runner-up and a third way back in the day, but still um, knows the, how to get around Bay Hill. I don't think he's... I think the only cut he ever missed was his very first one um, back in 2011. And, and that's, so he's played there 11 times. He's 10 for 11 and made every cut he's had uh, at, at Bay Hill since um, 2013. And uh, I think that that speaks towards being able to get into that top 20. He's been playing well, obviously he had a win uh, <laughs> inside baseball, but he's 23rd on proximity in that distance we talked about. Also six under par from those options. Like he is, he, all the little stats that I've come up with, so far in the bit, a little bit of uh, preview stuff I've done, he comes in. So uh, I like a nice solid plus 250 at top 20. Uh, I think Keegan Bradley could be very solid this week and could threaten to even win this thing. Keep that Keegan Bradley play in mind because I'm going to give you my Keegan Bradley play in just a second as we make the turn here in our 18 holes. By the way, I once was making the turn at Bay Hill and Sam Saunders, Arnold Palmer's grandson, bought me an Arnold Palmer. I just thought that that came together <laughs> that's awesome nicely I, i've also got a million arnold palmer stories that i could tell but um yeah so and and a few that i can't tell as well which are even better stories if you find me at api this week i'll tell you a good arnold palmer story but uh as we move forward a reminder the links and locks podcast proudly presented by bet365 the world's favorite sportsbook brand sign up with promo code action to get bet365's exclusive sign up offer in new jersey and colorado bet one dollar on any game Get $200 for free, and as promised, I'm going to get to my Keegan play. I've actually got two plays for the 10th hole here. Player market bets at Bet365. Essentially, as we say every week, over-unders on finishing position. Keegan Bradley, as you mentioned, Benny, has not missed a cut in his last 10 appearances. He's finished 10th and 11th the last two years at the API, and he is slated, well, he's got to finish better than 46 to cash this bet. 46th for Keegan oh, Bradley. Yeah, take Come it. on. Yeah, Bet365, <laughs> we appreciate the free money there. We will certainly take it. These are all minus 120 bets. So you're giving up a little of the juice there. But I like Keegan. And then um, I can't call him baby Keegan because I think he's actually older than Keegan. But sort of Keegan light to an extent. I, I get it. Luke List has lost strokes with his putter in his last 17 starts. It's getting a little silly. That said, nothing, no tournament during the year neutralizes the putter and accentuates the ball striking like Bay Hill does. Luke List, 52nd or better on the same player market list. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Luke List finishing better than that. I think this should be a good week for him. I can see him finishing right near or right outside the top 10, Betty. Yeah, Mate, I think the Keegan one's a no-brainer. As you said, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of him top twenty and even potentially better. So uh, that's that's phenomenal. Um, even with the juice scenario, uh, 
And I'll throw, look, the 11th hole, I'll throw the one that caught my eye. I can't believe I missed Keegan. Maybe because I'd already slated him, so I wasn't looking for his name. But 38th or better, I want Sahithi Gala. I think um, that is decent as well. I think he'll, he's a good top 40 player this week. Um, I think he's really starting to uh, figure himself out and, and get into a bit more of the groove. Whether or not the results are as great as he wants or whether or not they're replicating what he did last year, I don't think is that big a deal. I'm going with the feel of being around him, of talking to him, of being with him in LA and and again at, at Phoenix. And I just think that this kid is this close to just like going on a massive run. And we've talked about yeah. this. Once it happens, it, it, there's no turning back. There's just no turning back once he hits that hits that ground running. So uh, I just liked him at 38th or better in that minus 120 market. I, I still thought it was going to happen on the West Coast. I still like him better somewhere on the West Coast. But look, we're past it and we're on the East Coast now. So if it's going to happen, um, it's got to happen somewhere that's in less familiar surroundings for him. All right. I mentioned earlier that I hate the odds on Jason Day. I similarly <laughs> hate the odds on Keith Mitchell. There's some serious recency bias amongst the odds makers right now, and they are killing the numbers on some of these guys out there. I love Mitchell. You know, Benny, I've picked Mitchell probably on this podcast more than I've made plays on anybody else over the past two years. He's playing really well. I can't bet him at 50 to one, 55 to one right now. It's just, that's too short for a guy who's still only won once. I know he's finished top five in two of his last three starts. I'm going to very conservatively go Keith Mitchell top 20 at plus two twenties had a couple of top tens here in the past and four starts. I, I like everything about him. If they would have given us a little more of a nibble, give us 75 to one, give us 80 to one. He might be one of mm. my favorite outright plays. Instead, I'm just going to throw a little prop on him. Keith Mitchell plus 220. All right. So there you have it. Keith Mitchell is going to win this tournament because uh, yeah. you have not backed him. Uh, like, <laughs> it's funny. We did talk the amount of times you and I have put, have put him out there. And then obviously Genesis, he had a really good chance. And I don't think either of us mentioned him. And just quietly, Chris Kirk's just won the Honda. I think between you and I in the last 12 months, we've probably mentioned him 30% of the podcast, you know, in certain plays and whatnot, some of which came off. But then last week, I just gave him no love. So I was like, that'd be right. I jump off when it's time for Chris Kirk to win. But um, yeah, Keith Mitchell is your man. Let's hope he has a good week. Uh, he'll need to putt a little better, even though, as you said, it's not that big of a deal that he did at Genesis. I mean, I walked with him in that final group, mate. He made the 16-footer on the last 72nd hole, the longest of the week that he made. He was struggling. Um, So, look, again, no, that's going to be brought back to the field. That's why your likes of Adam Scott, et cetera, have been good at this tournament in the past. You know, brings brings that back into play. Um, All right, let's see. Uh, All right, I'll go with my top 10 play. We've talked a few Englishmen up. I'm going to go with a former champion, Tyrrell Hatton, plus 330. you know, he just loves this joint. I mean, well, let me see wherever I got his his results. Six for six, making the cut. Win 2020, fourth in 2017, second in 2022. Um, it's kind of funny because you think that, like, this, the conditions last year were so brutal. You would have thought that he would have imploded and had a meltdown of epic proportions. And the year he won it, I was actually there that year, covered the tournament. I was just waiting for this, like, epic meltdown to happen because he looked like he was having it the whole time. And uh, yet still hung on and, and stuck tough. So there's something about the course that works for him. And it works even when he's mad and cranky uh, because he was that year he won. And he was probably last year as well. And he still managed to do well. So 
I'm going to stick with him because I think you can get value given it how how big the field is this year. You get a little bit more value than you might have um, otherwise on Tyrrell Hatton plus 330 top 10. You're absolutely right about all of this because Hatton's a guy that doesn't like anything. He doesn't like anything. Yeah. He doesn't like playing anywhere. He doesn't like anything. I mean, it's just the guy is just outside the ropes. He's he's charming. He's a fantastic yeah. guy inside the ropes, getting mad at himself, <laughs> getting mad at the golf course, getting mad at the fans, getting mad at everything. And yet we go to a place that's absolutely one of the most dastardly venues of the entire year. And he's like, yeah, I love it. Works pretty yeah. well for me. I Nothing about it makes sense except everything about it. Uh, the play makes sense from you. All right, 14th hole. I'm going to go to a guy that either was or still is. I'm not sure if he's still there. I got to make a phone call here. But Christian Bezadenhut is a guy that's been a member at Bay Hill over the last few years. Uh, again, I, I believe he's still there. But even if he's not, he knows this golf course as well as anyone. And it's shown in his play over the last three years, he has not finished outside the top 20. At this event, I'm taking him for a top 30 at plus 200. That's a very, very cautious play. I don't mind top 10, top 20 props on Buzayden Hoot. And, and the thing I like about him most isn't just that, hey, he knows this golf course. I mean, really, there's not a whole lot that, hey, I played here in October a few times last year, so I really know it. That uh, Look, guys can learn a golf course in one afternoon. That doesn't necessarily um, give him that much of an edge. What I do like about him, though, is that he tends to play his best golf just like a lot of these other guys that I'm taking on tough golf courses that should help him this week. A really good uh, wedge game around the greens, really good putter. Um, he should be able to, when he needs to get up and down for pars uh, throughout the entire weekend. So I do like Cbez this week. All right. All right. Before we get started into my uh, 15th and 17th, I'll which this week are both, uh, you know, basically outright plays. Uh, I want to go back to those top three. I, uh, I they're not the part of my next the next two I'm going to mention, but by all means, do not think that means I'm writing them off, right? Like Ram, Scheffler, Rory, hard to ignore. In fact, I want your opinion, mate. Of like, uh, what is the argument for and against people saying putting like you know, I'm throwing a number out there, putting ten bucks on each of those three, and then another pick that they like, so that they cover the top three and then pick their other guys, given that the odds blow out, you know, we've got plus 650 and 900 or something or other on those top three. Do you want to cover those or do you want to no. just leave them and see what happens? No, it's not what I would do. Look, I okay. I, I can tell you I've had, I, I just had somebody giving me grief on Twitter. Does anyone know Tom Ford, who apparently like <laughs> makes golf picks on Twitter? All right, so I'm going to call this guy out because this guy was giving me crap for my picks and I get it, look. I pick one outright winner every week. If that guy doesn't win, all of golf Twitter is like, oh, Sobel cursed him. That's what he did. <laughs> Sobel cursed the guy. Oh, really? Who would you have this week? Well, I had Rom and Scheffler and Rory, and then I had Morikawa and Cantley and Steve. <laughs> and then, you know what? I, I went out on a limb, and I took M and Day just as long shots this week. That, that's what we're dealing with here. These kind of guys. Yeah. Who want to yell at me on Twitter for putting out one outright every week? And there, you look at their cards, yep. they've got 27 guys on their cards every week. Give me a freaking break, guys. Yeah, mate, I love it. I, I did tee you up there. I knew as we had a little mini talk before we started, I wanted to get you fired up, and I'm glad we've done it. You did. I'm it. with you. I'm with you. Like, look, it's a big chance one of those threes can, can win. But, like, 
I don't know. It's just not as fun for me to, to to jump on that from the beginning at the short odds. It's just not like that's you know like you're looking for the value. You can always you can always reset. You can always have a go at those guys come the weekend, come whatever. As I said, we've talked about what I do with Rory with the first round leader, etc. So value ish <laughs> ish because some of the numbers are not what I'd like to see. But I'm going to give you a first outright play. He was runner up last year. Oh, he was having horror horror nightmares with his chipping and around the green stuff last year. He's gotten better. Victor Hovland, I think, is a yep. decent play this week um, because you get him at around that 30, 35, depending on where, 25 to 35, depending on what. I'd love to have seen it at 40 or 45, but it's not there. Victor Hovland also fits into my 20 to 25, 200, 200 to 225 yards. Shot his nine under par from his attempts. Uh, that's T3, I think, or T4 in that stat this year. Uh, I think that you know he will be have a little bit of unfinished business i think he'll strike the ball well enough he hopefully won't put himself under as much pressure around the greens as he did last year and if he does he's doing a little better in that metric than he has in the past so he's my first outright um guy to look at that's not in that top three he is a guy that i've largely stayed away from throughout most of the first two months of the year but i do like him a lot this week as you mentioned uh runner up last year he could have, should have won. I mean, it was 69-66, I believe, the first two rounds, then 74-75 on the weekend. Granted, the weekend rounds played much tougher at API last year, but, yeah, it didn't really go the way Victor Hovland wanted things to go uh, on the weekend. But uh, this sort of correlates a little bit to exposed golf courses, windy golf courses where he's won in the past. And so I, I can certainly see it this week. Um, and, and around the greens, he's been better. And this is not, these are not the tight lies that we'll see at Augusta National in what, five or six weeks. These are um, thick, rough lies where he can get under the ball and should be able to chip it a little bit better than he does at some other places. So mm. I do like that. All right, 16th all. I'm going to give you a top 40 play here. He's a guy that everyone jumped on a couple of weeks ago just because everyone likes the bright, new, shiny thing. Everyone likes the the new guy that they can bet on that they've seen from afar and haven't gotten a chance to play yet. Adrian Moronk came over yes. two weeks ago, played in LA, played okay. Um, 45th, I believe there. Played the Honda last week, he was 14th. Look, I, I just have a feeling that just getting acclimated to playing golf here in the States, getting used to it, I think could really bode well for Moronk here. Plus 130 for a top 40 play. I, plus money. I, I think that's a nice play. What's a, it's only, what, 120-man field this week? Yeah, um, I haven't checked to see if we have – We it might be like LA where we have a few extras and, yeah, and that, yeah. that there are WDs. Uh, but, yeah, around about. Let's just call it close. Right. So, so we're looking for yeah. him to finish essentially in the top 33% of the field. Uh, I like that for Moronk. Big, tall dude. Um, look, we can go back and forth and we bring in coaches here who could debate this thing forever. Do you like tall guys when it's windy out or do you want shorter, stockier guys? I don't know. Uh, that's an old wives tale, I think. But, um, if you're good, you're good. Morag played well last week. I like him for this week as well. And he's won an Australian open late last year. I mean, that just tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> so he won on the, you know, hard and fast sand belt. Um, so, you know, like he, he can handle hard and fast if it gets that way. Uh, this week. All right, mate. I teased it. I'm doing it. The number stinks. Between 25 and 35 to 1 is ridiculous. Oh, it's terrible. He hasn't won in a long time. 
But my Aussie boy, Australia, the one, the players' champion that's missing from this. I've got a, a couple of two signed on here. But Jason Day is on his way back. I told you guys um, that I would be a true, true believer if he played well at the Genesis Invitational. It's a place he'd played terrible at before. He blitzed home in the final round to get T9, his third top 10 in a row on tour this season. Um, as I said, he's not getting the value he should get. He still has to prove a lot, but he is a former winner there at Bay Hill. He is the second most under par from 200 to 225 from the fairway. He is the most under par from 200 to 225 when hitting from the rough this season. He has really dialed in his approach game from what it was a year ago. He has brought back some of his streaky putting days, like he's having some good putting days. He doesn't need to be as good with the putter this week if he can just get that rolling half decent. He's a chance. The only thing that can trip him up in my mind is if he starts overthinking it. He has that top 50 exemption in his mind for the Masters. He's just inside, I think, 46, 47, somewhere around there in the world rankings at the moment. He's teetering right there on the brink. If he can just keep the tunnel vision like he has the last six months and keep going, then Jason Day is in for a big two weeks here in Florida. Two two venues he's won before, albeit a long time ago. Uh, I think that he can get the mojo going. And I hope that me finally jumping on board isn't the big handbrake that could happen. <laughs> so you and I have something in common. It is not yeah. that we're picking Jason Day for our outright at the end of the pod. It's that we're picking guys whose numbers are way too short for this type of field. You've got Day at a number that I, I just can't get there with him. If he was 30, not even that, 45, 50 to one. I don't know. I'm going he should, be, my he should be 40 to 50 at the at the best. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just way too short. I like Jason Day. I like everything about him. I don't like the number. I love the number on Will Zalatoris when the odds were first released on Monday morning and I saw him at 30 to one. I said, boy, that's a great number. I picked him here last year. He was in the middle of those real bad putting struggles. I know we saw that viral video from Tory last month, but quite frankly, he's in the middle of, he, he is gain strokes putting in his last six measured tournaments. Will Zalatoris is putting much better than he did before. And quite frankly, he only needed to yeah. become an average putter in relation to the field yeah. because he's a world-class ball striker from T to green. There are a couple of things I don't like though, Benny. I don't like that this number has dropped from, 30 to one to 18 to one that that's not doing anyone any favors. <laughs> I also don't think I love the fact that he said he's probably not going to be a hundred percent until April. Mm. That said, I'm, I'm kind of thinking lowered expectations perhaps mean better results. Sometimes players aren't really looking to win yet. We've seen it in the past. Like, Hey, I'm looking ahead to next month, but I'm playing now. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, wow. I just played really well because the expectations were lowered. So I do like that 18 to one right now on Zalatoris. I, I will stick with my outright because I have them in my column. I'll have them everywhere this week, but gosh, that number stinks. Yeah. Look, and look, I'll say this, whether or not he's ready to be at his peak or not. Uh, the sneaky thing here is this is like his mini major, right? Wake Forest, Donald Palmer, etc. cetera. Yep. This is the one like for LA for Max Homer this is what that is for Zal too, right? Like he might not speak it to it until he actually wins it one day or whatever else, but you could take it as red. 
this is a big one for him. And maybe he's trying to take the pressure off himself. Maybe he is trying to go in there with less expectation so he can just sort of enjoy his comeback, enjoy what he's trying to achieve, enjoy getting back to his thing without, you know, adding adding more expectation, more want this in this year. You know, he'll, he'll save that for when he's at his peak next year or whatever else. But beware the golfer that's, you know, just cool, calm and collected on a place he loves. So, uh, yeah, the number sucks. <laughs> but what are you going to do? Numbers t- I mean, there is yeah. no reason why Will Zalatoris, with one win to his name, has shorter yeah. odds than Max Homo, who's won six times, than Justin yeah. Thomas, who's a two-time major champion, Xander yeah. Shoffley, who's been a top five player in the world, Victor Hovland, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantley. Why is he shorter on? I, it doesn't make sense, and yet I, I don't know. I picked him, so I don't know. It's on me, but. When I picked him, he was 30 to 1. This, this is how things work, by the way. You guys on Twitter want to give me grief for everything out there. <laughs> I wake up. I, I do all my research Sunday night. I wake up Monday morning. The odds come out. I write my column. I put it out there. He's 30 to 1. Great number. All of a sudden, everyone else bets him too. Gets down to 18 to 1. Well, now I'm stuck with him for the rest of the week because I've gone with him on Monday morning. And so I, I've got to sit here and talk about Will Zalatoris. I will say this. Yes. I will say this. So I'll, I'll say this, like, and this is not me just blowing smoke up you. You know what? You are sort of the industry leader in terms of getting your stuff out early. I make a point not to read his stuff early because I want to make my own research and my own opinion. We talk about this on the pod. I always read Soaps' stuff after we do the pod. Uh, that way I can sort of see where his mind was going, if, if there's anything different from what he said. Uh, I don't do my own previews until Tuesday or some weeks Wednesday. And, yeah. you know, and even then, it's early sometimes, right? Like, so I'll, I'll give you credit where it's due. You're throwing it out there before almost anyone else and you're sticking solid, as you said, with your one. Sometimes maybe two where you're throwing up a long shot or whatever else it is. Uh, right. There's some absolute, something to be said for that, something to be said for standing up behind your number. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you have your 100 units or your 10 units or whatever it is on a guy and he ends up being bad and he wins, well, you still win. You win. So let's hope that's what happens for those guys, uh, those people out there that have stuck with you on the Zalatoris pick. Yeah. So in any case, um, I do like him this week. Zalatoris. Except Jason Day's going like to beat him. Fits Fleetwood. I, look, <laughs> hey, if he beats him, he beats him. He beats him in a short number. I mean, that's one of those. Jason Day could very well win this week. And if he does, I will sit back and go, congratulations. Just wasn't playing you at that number. I will say this, though, too. After all this, and I know this is not cool and sucks for you guys out there listening or whatever, but like the draw is a big part here. Yeah, like if, if Jason Day's yes. out in that 20, 20 mile an hour wind in the afternoon, that's not good for him, right? That that makes he really should be at fifty plus to one if he's playing uh, early late because he does a high ball flight. Rory McIlroy's the same. If they're up in that high, trying to do their whole high ball flight in that wind, that is tough. They're gonna have to survive that. The guys who play in that wind are going to have to find the U.S. Open survival mode that I'm not saying they can't. And if they just if they stick solid, they can make the ground up on the weekend because it will get hard and fast. And it can be like Tory South, where Jason has done well in the past, even being behind after two rounds, you know. So uh, bear in mind that whoever you pick, if they're playing in that wind, they're going to have to get through some tough adversity and hopefully they come through for you. I, I am looking now at the forecast and i guess if there's any saving grace right now it's still showing 
Uh, average wind 21 miles per hour on Friday, max wind gust at 38 miles per hour. It's the same as it was showing <laughs> earlier in the day. It does look like it's not just afternoon. Like there's a little bit of an overlap. Like it kind of seems right. like the worst time is like 11 a.m. to 2 3 o'clock p.m. So it's right. not totally covering just the afternoon guys. It's getting some of those morning guys, uh, the later morning guys a little bit too. So uh, maybe that levels things out a little bit, but you're right. I, I am looking at late Thursday, early Friday, especially DFS lineups. I may make some lineups mm. that are five, one, as opposed to a yeah. uh, three, three, or even just a random, like not even looking at tea times this is a week where you definitely want to look at them. So appreciate everybody listening to this edition of the links and locks podcast. Remember you can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast, download, subscribe, rate, and listen every single week during the entire PGA Tour season. For Ben Everill, I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with all your bets for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. Here's hoping you hit the green. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.